Good morning, BC. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers in our midst. I pray that God can use this special day to draw us closer to Himself, the one true Father who remains faithful to all generations. Amen. We are in the series of I Am a Disciple, and today I want to talk about goals. Some people love goals, others do not. No matter your feeling, goals are the roadmap to progress. Yet most of us will spend more time planning a vacation trip than planning our lives. Many people live their life to chance and happenstance. But success is not accidental. We need to learn how to set goals before we can even expect to achieve these goals. Amen? And today, we want to talk about setting a disciple's goals. Before we begin, let's commit this time to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Let's pray. Lord, this morning we are thankful that we can gather to know more about you. Holy Spirit, we invite you now to come upon us and give us wisdom. Open our hearts to hear your words, to see how we can change our lives. I pray against all distraction that distract us from hearing your word today. Help us to focus. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Two travellers meet at a junction on the road that leads in different directions. And one of the travellers asks the other, Which way do I go from here? The other answer, That really depends entirely on where you want to go. If you do not know where you want to go, it doesn't really matter which way you go. Any road will take you there. In order to know how to walk in our spiritual journey, we also must know where we are going. Amen? The Apostle Paul encourages us in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 14, to strive towards the goal. Let's turn to the scripture. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, Paul acknowledged that he isn't there yet, using two verbs to describe where he hasn't yet arrived, obtained or arrived at his goal. Paul realized that he is still work in progress. But what goal is he talking about? Let's continue reading. But I press on to take hold of that of which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Verse 13. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Paul realized that he has not obtained the goal and he doesn't excuse himself by the difficulty of the calling. Paul pressed on so that he might take hold of the goal. But let me continue from the verse. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize of which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. No, Paul has not obtained his spiritual goal yet, but he is not resting or turning back. Paul is single-minded, but one thing I do, Paul say, is to reach that goal. What kind of goals? So what kind of goals is Paul talking about? 
Well, before Paul tells us of what kind of goal it is, he begins by telling us what kind of goal it should not be. It should not be goals that is influenced by worldview. Have you seen this hashtag before? Hashtag goals. Last year, December, I, I, I meet with my baby boys during their school holidays to connect with them. Whenever I meet with them, I will teach them some godly value. But on one occasion, I ask them to teach me how to sound cool. Wow, isn't it? You know, I'm like, hey boys, I need a new vocabulary update. And my, my kids are still young, not teenage yet. So what do teens these days say? What do teens these days say to something that is cool? Just give me something that I can say. I asked my boys. So my boys this time very helpful. They are very helpful. They taught me a few words that I could say. They taught me how to say one of those is lead. They taught me the meaning of this term, totally lead. I said, huh? What's that? Can you give me an example? Use it in a sentence. I don't get it. They say, huh? Okay. For example, the event last weekend was totally lead. Why weren't you there? I was like, oh, okay. Is it, does it mean illuminated, light up, very bright, the event? They are like, huh? You know, like I was so embarrassed at that moment. You see, the word actually similar to cool, but with an added emphasis on the fact that it's fresh and current. Then one of them spoke out that there's another word that they see very often. He said, hashtag go. He said that you can put it almost anything. Hashtag go, you can see it just almost anywhere on social media. We are in a hashtag goals and we are in a hashtag generation now. Nowadays, the majority of social media platforms support hashtags. This feature makes you, makes you, uh, uh, make your content easier to find things on social medias. When you, when, when you try to Google and find things, you put a hashtag, you're able to search for something faster. So I Google a bit and see a lot of pictures that people tag with this hashtag. That's right, it's everywhere. It is used in a multiple of ways. There are pictures of weight loss, food, holiday destination, pictures of expensive car, bungalow, famous company logos, etc. People will hashtag goals to anything they want to achieve or have already achieved. You may, you might, you know, when you Google, you might see a picture that is so ridiculous, such as a super superstar in his, sup in his personal jack lying down on a pillow and someone will tag, wouldn't it be nice? Hashtag go. Or woman from Indonesia with standing beside a McDonald's advertisement that showed the BTS meal. She's like, hashtag go. Or a picture of a super beautiful five-story bungalow house. Someone will hashtag go. Another way to use hashtag goals is like, as if this will never happen to me, but this is awesome. So they will put a hashtag go. Have you used this hashtag go before? What are yours so far? You know, Paul also used this hashtag go before. And go, it should not be. Let's read Philippians chapter 3, verse 4 and 6, and we will find out about this. Verse 4. Though I myself have reason for such confidence, for someone else 
things that they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Listen to this again. You see, Paul was saying, you think you have reached your goal? Let me show you what goals I have reached so far. And I have more. He said, check this out in verse 5. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. Wow. You know, if Paul is in today's generation, he will have tagged the following. Circumcised day, hashtag goes. Becoming a Pharisee, hashtag goes. Persecuted Jesus followers, hashtag goes. Faultless, hashtag goes. Isn't it? What? So what? why all this big deal in Paul's time? Why is all this a big deal? You see, Paul's birth and ancestry was unblemished according to Jewish standards. Paul has been circumcised on the eighth day. His parents did this according to God's command given to Abraham. You see, Paul was born Jewish rather than being a convert to Judaism. Specifically, he was from the tribe of Benjamin. Paul's training and lifestyle was also perfect according to Judaism. Paul called himself a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was raised according to Jewish custom and had learned the Hebrew language. Paul was a Pharisee, the most religiously consecutive group of Jews in his time. Is it in summary, Paul born into a respected tribe, circumcised at the right time, entered into the right career, persecuted those who supposed to persecute, upheld the law as to be faultless. Wow, faultless. But Paul didn't stop here. Let's read the scripture. He continued to say from Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 to 8. Listen to this. <clears throat> but whatever were gains to me, I now consider what? Loss. I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more? I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage. Do you hear that? Garbage. You know, Paul said, yes, I've got the goals in the past, but then I realized that these goals consider a loss. A loss to what? A loss because I spent so much of my life reaching these goals, but end up realizing that they were meaningless compared to knowing Christ. He used the word garbage or rubbish in New King James Version, put rubbish or dung in King James Version to describe this hashtag go dung. You know, a term that sometimes refers to animal or human waste. What a strong word here. The vulgarity of the term is deliberate as Paul wanted to strike to us with the worthlessness of life apart from Jesus. These words, these, these strong words, these are strong words, right? Garbage. And I think it's really difficult for anybody to accept this. Why is this difficult? Because, you see, in one hand, we want to please God, to accept His will for my life, 
to inherit eternal life. Amen? But on another hand, we were raised to work hard, to get a good education and not break the law so that we can achieve the dream of having a career. We enjoy a beautiful estate to come home to a big happy family and to go on vacation, vacation at least once a year. We try our best to balance our time so that we can have both, isn't it? But church, my question today is, what about the context of forever? What do I mean by that? We tend to use this word forever very deliberately in our daily life, right? We use statements like, our food takes forever. My download takes forever. We don't really mean literally. It, it, it's not the true meaning of forever. Forever is not just a long period of time. It is something never-ending, unchanging, eternal. God's love endures forever. His kingdom will last forever. The crown of eternal life is forever. Amen? And Paul said very clearly, I consider them garbage. We'll have a good career, having a big house, or earning more money give me eternal lives. Can I take anything with me when I pass away? That's my question for all of us. Or can I, do a, that, uh, can I do a great enough deed to get me into heaven? No, no, and no. So what's the point in working solely for the treasures that do not last and saving up things that we cannot keep? Garbage is something we throw away and forget about it. I'm not suggesting that you should quit your job or quit school. What am I saying is that do not love the things of this world. Love God who is forever and, want, and He wants you to love things that will last forever. Amen? We often pursue these goals that most people pursue, the goals that the world is pursuing. But at the same time, you know, we also worry about whether we can reach these goals or not because of expectation, competition, and comparison. Many are suffering with stress and burdensome, chasing after the worldly goals. Even though this thing that we worry about only lasts for a short time anyway. But remember, we cannot see forever and cannot see the best plan, but God can. Amen? God has the best plan and purpose for our life greater than we can ever imagine. And God wants to lead us down a path where we end up spending eternity with Him, not just a few years at some distinguished institution. These temporary things are like garbage compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, which lasts forever. Amen? Our own plans and everything else are but a distraction from knowing and seeking God and thus must be let go. So once you let something go, you have must replace with something else. So let's continue. Paul gave up his whole, whole life and desire and replaced it with a better goal. Why is it? Why is Paul goes? Let's read Philippians chapter 3 verse 8 and to 11. Verse 8. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ 
and to be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Verse 10, Paul said, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participating, participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. And so, somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. The word know in the Greek describes a continuous ongoing knowledge. The knowledge of a personal relationship. And this is a, a knowledge which involves action where effort is required. Paul wanted to know Christ. But think about this. Now Paul already know Christ. When Paul wrote this letter, right church? He already know Christ. He was not a young Christian growing in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. He was a seasoned veteran evangelist. And one of the greatest missionary this world had ever known. Amen. If Christ would come true in the life of a person, you know, this word where Jesus said, you shall do greater things than this. They had come true in the life of this man, Paul. Yet, what was his, what his most earnest desire towards the end of his life is that he wanted to know Christ more. Not just that, he also wanted to know the secret of Christ's resurrection, his suffering and death. Paul was convinced that all these steps will lead him to his ultimate goal, to rise with Christ and to share in His glory. This is our heavenly goal. Amen? So what does knowing Christ mean? First of all, know Christ means, let me give you an example, like any relationship once you have met, you must cultivate that relationship. If you meet a girl of your dream but never see her again, you won't have a relationship with her, right? So both must spend time together getting to know one another through conversation and shared experiences. You know, you learn about her history, her family, her likes, her dislikes, her hopes for the future, etc. If you do something wrong to offend her, you ask her forgiveness and learn to work through difficulties in a harmonious way. In the same way, in a relationship with Christ, it requires cultivation. It requires, that requires time. As such, knowing Christ means, number one, A, communicating with Him. You see, God speaks to you through His Word. As you read the Bible, He tells you all about, your, him, he tell you all about Himself. And He also tells you about yourself. He tells you what He has done for you and what He wants you to do. And then you respond by speaking to Him in prayer. You express thanks. You express trust. You ask Him to help you to do what He wants you to do. Amen? Then He speaks to you through His Word again and gives you the assurance you need and more instructions. And it goes on. A two-way exchange process. This is what communication is all about. And you cannot have a relationship with God without communicating with Him. Secondly, knowing the Lord means communing with Him. That is to spend time alone with God because you love to be with Him. This involves not only your mind but your heart as well. Amen? 
Your feelings are stirred up for Him. And like the psalmist, you, you will say, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Amen. Thirdly, knowing God means commitment to Him. Commitment is the, is the main accent, uh, you know, essential, the main essential product of any deep and lasting relationship. Commitment means having full agreement with God's desire and God's will. It means rendering voluntary submission and loving obedience to God. No task becomes too great for you to do for Him. These three things, communication, communion, and commitment, are what knowing God is all about. Without them, your relationship with Him will remain on the surface and distant. It never ceases to amaze me how a young man and a young woman can be extremely busy, but when they meet and things click between them, suddenly they can find many hours every week to be together. Whatever they were busy with gets shoved aside so that they can pursue this new relationship. And if you want to be like Paul in his desire to know Christ fully, then you must pursue this relationship like him with the same determined conviction. Second of all, Paul went on saying that he wanted to know the power of his resurrection. You see, God exerts his mighty power in raising Christ from the dead. And, that, and there is power in the resurrection of Christ. And that power, let me share, is available to you as you live for Christ. It doesn't come from you. It comes from God through the Holy Spirit. When you are weak, then you are strong. Why? Because you are depending on God rather than yourself as you claim victory for all your sins and struggles. The word here, here, uh, uh, from the Greek word is to know by experience. To know by experience. You see, when we are united with Christ by faith, we can experience the power of His resurrection in every day of our lives. So Pastor taught us a few weeks ago about exercising the authority that has been given to us to so continue to exercise the authority given to us in Jesus' name. Overcoming fear, receiving healing, and encounter breakthrough. Amen? Thirdly, Paul went on to say that he wanted to know the fellowship of God's suffering. Here's where many shy away. Many want the power of Christ. But many tempted to skip this next line and jump to the resurrection part. We must not skip this line about suffering because we will miss something very important. But to be clear, we should not read the passage like Paul enjoys suffering. No, that is not what he meant. Rather, he understands that to follow Jesus Christ means that we too will encounter suffering and sorrow. If you want to know Christ more than anything in, in life, it is through suffering for Him. Then you will know Him better than you wouldn't mind suffering. It will be worth it and it actually you will actually find joy in it. Amen? Suffering for Christ. When we pray for others and seek to give the gospel with those who need Jesus, we can begin to know the fellowship of sharing in Jesus' suffering. When we experience rejection, 
misunderstanding and persecution. We can share in Jesus' suffering a bit. Finally, Paul wanted to become like Christ in death. Now, if knowing Christ better through suffering wasn't enough, Paul writes that he even count death as gain because through death, he will see Christ even more clearly. But to Paul, death wasn't just a one-time event. He fully understood Jesus who called us to pick up our cross daily and follow him. Paul would choose to die for Christ every day if only it served his purpose. That means I die to my old sins. Everything from sin of lust and pornography to wrong attitude to, to self-glorification and pride in my own ability and accomplishment and to sin of self-pity and self-righteous attitude. It means I give up living for myself to living for my career, to living for my possession, and, and giving all these things to God. Amen? I too want to die to sin and put that life of sin behind me in the grave and rise again with Him to a new life. It is this new life, day by day, that Paul wanted more than anything. Amen? So this is the goal that Paul strived to reach, to know Christ. So why is it important to have the right goals? Why is it important to have the right goals? You see, the thing about our culture, I think it is a common universal human team. We, we are actually better at, set, at, at, uh, at setting goals than keeping them. Agreed? However, I have another question here this morning. Are we better at getting to goals than picking the right one in the first place? I wonder, not only you are getting your, your goals, but how good are your goals? So the first question asked is, what is the goal? The second question is, is this goal a good one? I think a lot of people answer the first question in life, what is the goal? I wonder how many of you ask the second question, is it a good goal? Amen? I could ask, for example, how are your goals going okay? The one that you have set in January, 1st of January 2021, how are they going? Have you achieved it? And you could talk and maybe you could you, you brag, or maybe you should apologize depending on where you are right now, isn't it? But then we continue to ask the question, how good are your goals? Are they even good goals to begin with? Church, I think we need to stop and ask the question, where is this goal getting me? You, you know, reaching a goal is only as significant as a goal is good. Amen? Let me try another statement. You can hit the nail on the head in life, but if the board is rotten, it wouldn't hold. Amen? So it's very important question this morning. Do you have good goals? Our goals not only say a great deal about us, but they also have everything to do with spiritual change. And, and with our uh, and, and, and with our experience of joy, peace, and other Christ-like qualities. Amen? 
they will strongly affect our life and how we live. So why is it so important to make sure we have the right goals? Number one, we will find the source of confidence when we have the right goal. We will recognize that all our former confidence or sources of trust are meaningless and useless. None of our former confidence can provide salvation in any sense. We will come to the place, to that place when we recognize surpassing value and total sufficiency of the person, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Which who can replace all our former confidence or object of faith. What object of faith? The things we trust in for security, for peace, for significance. The second reason why we need to set good goals is we will find the reward. As seen in verse 14, Paul saw the goal as itself the reward. The prize worth the pursuit of all his being. In addition to the glory this brings to God, nothing is more rewarding, exciting or causes more joy or peace than to experience fellowship with our Lord Jesus. Amen. By contrast, comparing this with the frustration, disappointment, the sense of guilt that people face when they place their trust in another pursuit. Reward. Third, why is it important to set good goals? Because we will find eternal relationship to the one who has placed his trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ. The product of his goal is only things that last forever. The worldly goals that Paul chased after could not last forever. In the beginning, the goals that Paul chased. Man's praise does not last forever. Nice possession does not last forever. But the eternal life, by definition, does last forever. And can only be achieved by knowing Christ. Amen? So how to achieve it? Before we set our goals, we need to first decide to have the right attitude towards achieving the goals. So the first thing Paul tells us is to be focused. In verse 13, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, Paul said, one thing I do, he was focused. Have you ever noticed the eyes of an Olympic runner when they are standing on the starting mark waiting for the gun to go off? Have you ever observed the runner? You know, they are not focusing on other runners. They are not focusing on the crowd. They are not focusing on uh, the other events being contested in other parts of the stadium. Their eyes are totally focusing on the finishing line. Totally focused on the finishing line. You see, the problem many of us have is that Christ does not have our complete undivided attention. The more attention we focus on the things of the world, the more it hinders our spiritual progress, our spiritual growth. Paul showed us what is it like to be focused. He threw away everything that, is, that, is used, that he used to pursue and consider them garbage. He only did one thing now. One thing, the most important, the good goal that is was straining towards what is a hit. 
the finishing line and press on to win the goal. He was single-minded. The second attitude that Paul wants us to have is be faithful. He said, I press on towards the goal to win the prize of which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The Greek word Paul used in this verse for press on is the word dioko, which means to follow or press hard after. Dioko speaks of an intensity of effort leading to a pursuit with earnestness and diligence in order to obtain. It gives us the picture of a hound pursuing after the fox and implying and continuing effort to overtake, reach or attain the goal. The hound would relentlessly pursue the fox until he gained his prize. You see, church, many people who started the race but didn't finish it. They may have made the great confession of faith or even being baptized, but soon their commitment disappears and their spiritual frame dies out. May you and I faithfully, relentlessly pursue the price of which God is calling us heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen? We should therefore begin to set smart, smaller goals that we must achieve in order to get to the final goal that Paul modeled for us. What does SMART stand for? Specific, measurable, ambition, realistic time and time. I believe this is an acronym that BCs, uh, every one of us are familiar with. So today we want to apply SMART filter into these smaller goals. We can categorize these smaller goals in two categories. Number one, input. You see, take time to read the scripture daily. That's our input. In the foundation step of knowing Christ, you cannot know someone without learning about the personal history, families, likes and dislikes, hopes for the future, etc. In the same way, we cannot know the God. We cannot know God through philosophy or speculation. We cannot know Him through our own imagination or feelings. We cannot know Him through uh, ideas or, or experience of others. We can only know Him as He has chosen to reveal Himself. That revelation comes through His written word, which tells us of the eternal living word, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So input involved take time to read the scripture daily. Before reading the book, it's important to have an overview of what the purpose of the book is. And after reading it, meditate on what you have just read. In John chapter 14, verse 21, Jesus tells how can, how can we get to know Him? He who has my command and keeps them, it is He who loved me. And He who loved me shall be loved by my Father. And I will love him, and I will disclose myself to him. If you don't know the word, you neither have nor keep Jesus' commandments. But it's impossible to have them through knowledge, but not keep them. So what I mean by keep them, you need to remember. If you want Jesus to reveal himself to you, he said that you must have both to keep his command and also to remember his command. And that is uh, the next step of input, to remember it. 
How do you remember? Work out a system of your own to remember what you have just read. Maybe remember the key word or the key verse that you have just read will help. So the goal of daily intake of the word of God is always growing obedience that will result in bringing ourselves to be Christ-like. Which leads me to the second, our output. Refer to the outward characteristic that we demonstrate through our action and words. The one thing that distinguishes anyone who has known Christ from others is his changed life. Amen? You see, the Apostle Paul was a wonderful example of this. Before Christ changed him, he was Saul, the Pharisee, persecuting every Christian. But when he got to know Christ, he became Paul, the Christian. And gradually he became so close, identifying with Christ. Church, do you know that it's the best compliment that any Christian can ever receive from people? What is this compliment? That someone say that I can see Christ living in you. You know, I know someone like this. She is one of my relatives. I always felt that she has a glow in her face. Not Moses kind of glow, but a kind of glow that will influence you to feel very joyful. She is often going around bringing laughter to people, be it children, adult or elderly. Naturally, she is very well liked among the relatives. She will grab hold of every opportunity to speak blessing and pray for people. I, I, I would use that compliment on her. You know, I can see Christ living in her. When I look at her, I will say, I want to be like her because she <clears throat> imitates Christ. Therefore, let's commit ourselves to pursue this worthy goal, to grow in the image of Christ until Christ is formed in us and the people around us can, be, can see Christ in us. How should we use the smart filter to set our smart goals? Number one, the first S, specific. A, spe a specific goal has a much greater chance of being accomplished than a general goal. To get, to set a specific goal, answer this question. What specifically do I want to achieve or accomplish? What are my strategies and tactics to achieve the goal? Who are involved? Do I need help? Who can I help? get to help you and what are some specific reasons or benefits of accomplishing the goal to aid motivation ask yourself all these questions Paul set out a goal that is to know Christ ultimately he wanted to win the prize finished in the race what kind of specific goal can help to reach this goal for output for example reading God's word which is critical in reaching this goal ask yourself how much you want to read daily Example, three chapters a day, you, read, you will cover the Bible in one year. Setting aside half an hour daily to worship God and read His words or even more. For output character traits, ask yourself, what wrong attitude do I want to change? What can I do to discipline myself in overcoming that wrong attitude? And who can help I can find as my accountability? Your mentor. Second, M, measurable. Establish concrete milestone for measuring progress towards the attainment of each goal. You know, when you measure your progress, you stay on track 
and you know how much more to reach your target dates and experience the excitement of achievement that spur you to keep going. To determine if your goal is measurable, ask these questions. How many? How will I know when it's accomplished? For example, for output, reading God's word, ask yourself, how long will I finish reading a particular book? Third, ambitious. You see, if your goal is set so easy as to be a sure thing, you will achieve all that is possible. While we want to set realistic goals that can be achieved, there is not much reward if success is guaranteed, right? With risk comes reward. The art is in balancing risk and reward. Identifying which, what is achievable, then set a stretch goal that may require just a little bit more effort, creativity or persistency. If you do not reach the stretch goal, the outcome is not necessarily a failure. If you set your sight so low that there is no stretch, you will be Will you be satisfied with the outcome? Definitely not, right? So ambitious goals which are attainable and showing advancement may be easier to reach because you will see progression instead of stagnancy which doesn't provide much motivation. For in input, for example, for some, one chapter is not so much of a challenge for you to read one chapter a day. Maybe you want to consider increasing, jump to three chapters a day to stretch yourself so that you will cover more. Amen? Next are realistic. To be realistic, your goal must be doable and practical. You must be both willing and able to work towards it. Do you have the right skills? preparation, tools, and resources to reach the goal. If not, how can you get them? If you understand the step and resources needed to accomplish the goal and have the necessary skill, it is much more likely to be achieved. So there is some work to be done. If you have accomplished something similar in the past, then your goal is probably realistic. Lastly, time. A goal should be grounded with a time frame. With no time frame tied to the goal, there is no sense of urgency and your ability to measure progress is greatly diminished. For example, ask yourself, how can I achieve this in three months? You'll be amazed how much you can achieve in such a short time. Amen? As we conclude this message, I want to ask you the same question I asked at the beginning of the sermon. What are your goals? Today we talk about setting good goals, godly goals, necessary goals, the right goals. I hope that at the end of the message, you'll, bring, you'll begin to write down your smart goals. You see, the world is set up in such a way that if something is not care and tend to, at some point, it will definitely change for the worse, not for the better. You can see in any landscape, isn't it? Some are beautiful, well-kept. Some are overgrown, full of weeds. What's the difference? One landscape has been cared for, work has been done on it and to it. Others are not cared for and ignored. This is just as true in our life as it is any given landscape. 
the area in our life that we care for and work on are the area that we will see improvement in over time but the area we ignore are pretty much guaranteed to deteriorate many people procrastinate taking steps necessary to begin to working on these areas they want to improve why because of the levels of discomfort and anxiety that comes from not changing are usually higher than the levels of discomfort and anxieties that the process of change may bring so in another words life is much better when we are changing and improving than we are not are you listening so let me ask you this morning is there an area in your spiritual life where you want to see improvement or Christ likeness character trait that you want to grow if so begin by taking the first step towards your goal make it a smart goal keep in mind that if you don't do what you if you do what you can God will do what you can't amen let me say it again you see if you do what you can God will do what you can the Bible make it clear that as we serve God God will prosper what we do amen God isn't able to bring much prosperity or health or success to many of us simply because we are simply not doing much the more we do the more God can bless our efforts so just as walking a mile starts with a simple step a single step so your growth starts in the same way as you take steps towards growth you wouldn't see change overnight but you will see change over time i love this statement you won't see change overnight but you will see change over time and through this simple step-by-step -step process you will be on the road to improvement amen i pray that this will bless you encourage you stretch you convict you and that you will put this into practice press on let's close in a word of prayer hallelujah heavenly father thank you for this day we thank you for your abundant grace and mercy they are new every morning great is thy faithfulness as we pray this morning i pray that the answer to the question of today's message what are my goals we will take careful thoughts to it and the message will resonate in us lord that we will be thoughtful be pure, prayerful and intentional about setting smart goals for our spiritual growth our relationship growth these areas that we have fallen short these areas that we are convicted to come out in father i pray that you have not brought us this far to leave us so i pray that every bc will hear this who hears this message today will be encouraged stretch strengthen and begin to set these smart goals to put them into motion for your glory your honor lord in jesus name we pray amen